1: We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stauffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that.
0: D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer, Brennan S. Scott, Oilers Now. We apologize for those minor technical difficulties. Hey, it happens once in a while. Royal Pizza, pizza pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list. of so their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The staffer recommendation, the Mediterranean Chicken. Without further ado, from Inside Sports, he uh, had a mammoth comic collection when he was a kid. And man, you should have seen the amount of Lego he would have purchased as well. I know because I'm living that on a day by day basis on the humble staffer abode. We welcome back to the show, the one, the only Reed Wilkins. Reed, how are you doing?
1: Well, a couple, a couple uh, minor clarifications there, Bob. I still have the comic collection. It the the comic collection still exists. It doesn't really get added too much anymore, but it uh, it exists, and who knows, maybe. Uh, Maybe someday, you know, gambling debts, it, it might have to be sold to to help out a little bit, but I still have it. I actually was never that big into Lego, oddly enough. Uh, I mean, I think like most kids, I had some Lego, but I, I right. never really got into it, perhaps because I'm very uh, clumsy and I'm I'm not very good with that, that kind of stuff with, with with my hands. So no, Le, Lego never really caught. I had a cousin that was pretty big into Lego, and yeah. I know that... Um, uh, I, I see the odd thing there. There are some, uh, you know, it, it stays with some people into adulthood who still, uh, you know, you see online every once in a while some somebody, you know, in their 40s or 50s will have done some sort of elaborate Lego construction project. But no, I was I was never big into that. I know that probably surprises you, but I wasn't uh, a
0: little bit. Well, but but in fairness, like Lego Lego has really kind of taken off over the last decade, right? I mean, they've they've got they partnered up with all these different, you know, there's like the Star Wars Lego sets and. Uh, so they've got all these different, you know. I mean, Hudson's at the stage now where he's 14, but he's doing the 18 plus sets, right? So he can he can figure stuff out from an engineering perspective that that I've been challenged to do my entire life. But it's just, I mean, that's just that that's his thing, right? I I want to sit there and look at the salary cap of NHL teams, and he's not interested in watching Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final. Like that's just, hey, we all have our strengths. We all have our unique things that we're interested in, and we got to be open and accepting of one another on those on that journey. So I applaud you that you still have your comic book. Uh, uh, and what are we talking here? A couple thousand?
1: Uh, I, I I did a bit of a kind of count a couple years ago. I think I'm around 3,800 comics. 3,800. Yeah, yeah. They're all in boxes and they're all in the uh, the bags to to protect them. Like I I did like even when I was a kid, Bob. I. I wanted to take care of them. I mean, I, I read all of them. I wasn't one of those people that just bought them and put them in bags. Like I wanted to read them, enjoy them, but I also, you know, even as, uh, as a kid and as a teen, I, I was aware that I wanted to take care of them and, and have them as an investment. And, yeah, like I said, there's still... Like, I'll still buy the odd new comic, but the majority of them I got between 83 and 98. Now, the problem there, Bob, is that's when a lot of people were buying comics. So the era I have... There are a lot. There's a lot of inventory out there, which obviously is going to drive down the, the the price. Likely, if I ever did, if I ever did try to sell them, you probably I probably couldn't get as much than maybe if you had stuff from the 60s or the 70s.
0: All right, I'm going to throw this out there in our Ashley Fine Floors text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Was there not a Bruce Willis movie where he like survived plane crashes and train accidents? Yeah, Unbreakable. Okay, and his nemesis in the movie uh, had a comic book store
1: yeah Mr. Glass uh, played by Samuel Jackson there we go so see Reed I knew you would do that you would know that <laughs> that's a really good movie actually a really good movie I, I
0: actually thought it was a pretty good movie as well uh, Sam Gagner was just on the show and gets himself another contract play as long as you can he talked briefly about you know sean horkoff and the impact hork had him had on him early in his uh, nhl career and sean horkoff's now in development for the red wings um the Orders scott housen was heading up development he now works for the american hockey league could you foresee a scenario in a year from now when sam garnier is announced as an orders development coach
1: I could see him being in, I don't know what the timing is going to be, Bob. I mean, you guys stressed he's, he's only 31, which is not old in, in hockey terms. I mean, I think if they're, and they'll forget there's another team coming into the league. So that's an extra 23 jobs for players like Gagne to, to keep playing. But I, I think that you, know, you look at a player like Gagne, and I think when he when he is done playing, I think he's exactly the type of individual that the Oilers or, or any type of team would want to have in a development role. As a player, he went through a lot. He was a high draft pick. He was expected to to score, be on the top six. Obviously, he, he played on some teams in Edmonton uh, that weren't very good. He went through that, and he's had to adjust throughout his career. And, and when we saw him in his in his return to Edmonton, which didn't obviously didn't last very long in the end, but you know he he had that ability to kind of fill in anywhere on any line and, and at least be effective. I, I mean, look, he wasn't uh, to the point where he was going to be consistently a guy who could play on the top line, but you saw him go up there with McDavid and Drysleidle at times and, and at least find a way to chip in, and I, and I think that's the. I mean, we talk to him with with our colleague Rob Brown all the time too, Bob, and, and we've 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 talked to those players, you know, Matt Hendricks, whoever, guys like that, who have had to figure out a way to make an impact and realize that maybe um, the the, the skill set that drove them in junior or when they came into the NHL maybe isn't what has to drive them anymore, and they have to find different ways to get an impact on the game, and and that's why I think a player like Gagne is able to sit down with everybody and can say, Okay, look, I yes, I was drafted wherever he was he sixth overall, I know he was pretty high. Yep. And then and then he has to but then he can say, Okay, look, the coach is, is not asking you to do this, you know, twenty year old player, because he's not recognizing what you did in junior. He's asking you to do these things so you learn them. And you don't have to shoulder all the responsibility of being a top player right now. And then maybe when you're 22 or 23, your game is more well-rounded and and you can play a little bit more. And I, and I think this ties into the ongoing discussion with, with Jesse Pooley, Harvey, Bob, I, I mean, the value of, um, him having some sort a of mentor that says okay yes he, in the NHL you're you're probably not going to score every night you might not even get a point every night you might only get one good scoring chance a game so in the other you know 14 and a half minutes that you're playing how are you going to how are you going to impact the game what kind of things do you need to work on in practice what little details do you need to do so you have an impact uh, on on the game, and you don't just sort of fade into the background if it's not going for you offensively? I, I think that's a, that's a very cool suggestion, Bob. I, look, I don't know if it's going to be with Edmonton, and again, I don't know how long he's going to keep playing. He said he he wants to prolong his career as long as possible, and why wouldn't he? I mean, it's a pretty cool job to play in the National Hockey League. But I, I, and Sam, like, here's another thing, Bob like sam from the times i was around him he's he is extremely well spoken and he's extremely intelligent I, I mean i think that uh he's he's a pretty observant gentleman i i think he uh, i think he's a good communicator who would be good to get that message across to players he might be mentoring so I, absolutely i think that's a good suggestion
0: it's interesting like you mentioned rob brown he was a first line player in pittsburgh that went, ended up in the minors and reinvented himself to be a checker to get back in the NHL. Gagne was a legitimate second-line player at Edmonton. Like, there's no que- – in fact, at times, he was on their first line. But he put up second-line numbers. Like, Rob Brown put up first-line numbers for a couple of years in the NHL. Sam put up second-line numbers. Henrik's journey, obviously, considerably different. Like, he literally willed, oh, himself, sure. willed himself up from the East Coast. Like, you bring up, yes, the Poli-Arvey um, it's it's interesting. Like I I I I don't mean to be dismissive of the Finnish league. It's not as good as the Swedish league. It's not as, certainly not as good as the KHL. I I think it's important the Oilers find a, a resolution to this um, sooner rather than later. And I just wondered, do you think they can get valuation in a trade for you know the investment in the pick, or would they be better off just bringing them back?
1: I think at this point, you are better off just bringing them back because I. I I can't see how you would get perceived equal value, I suppose, in a deal. I mean, look, he, he, he didn't play in the NHL for a year. So there's literally no information on how he can perform in the NHL. I, I agree with you w- with the Finnish league. It's not as high up in, in the uh, European tier system or whatever you want to call it as I would put other teams. And when, And again, as you and I have talked about hundreds of times, when he did play in the NHL, two different head coaches repeatedly reduced his ice time and the head coach that that came in second in hitch after McClellan wanted him to be called up to work with him and then hitch actually played him less than Todd played him so I, I you know that that doesn't give a guy a, a lot of a, a lot of cachet on the trade market even if he did have a great junior career in World Juniors and all that kind of stuff I think with pullarV look I, as we know Bob, I, I didn't agree with how he was handled in his first year in the league. I, I was fine with him getting that eight or nine game stint, but then I thought he should have gone and played, you know, in Bakersfield or wherever, where he could have developed. But I think now there's a point where, and, and I see all of the debate, and I get the texts and the calls like you do, you know, his line mates. Why, why isn't he played with this guy? Why, like at some point, Bob, it's not about yes, Jesse Poulias, the RV's line mate. It's not about his coach. It's not about his general manager. It is about him. And it is about his approach and will he learn to, and I, like, I am, I'm not slagging him and I'm not writing him off. I, I just think that there is a reality that if you see how he played and how his coaches handled him, that he did not figure out a way to impact the game when he wasn't uh, in an offensive role or, or really feeling it, you know, to use kind of that term. So it, it's, it's on, it's on him now to, to adapt, to, to put the work in and, and to figure out how he's going to be an NHL player and, and what he does on those nights where it's it's you know a 1-1 game and not all the pucks are going into the net. Can you check? Can you win board battles? Can you get the puck out the last five feet inside your old blue line? Those are all the little things that I think are truly going to make him a pro. And then as a lot of players would tell you, the offense often comes after you do all those little things.
0: Reed Wilkins joining us from Inside Sports. Bob McKenzie putting out today that uh, there were whispers out there that Jack Eichel may be available. Now, he's kind of poured some cold water, but where there's a little bit of smoke, sometimes there's a little bit of fire. This is an interesting one to watch uh, with Buffalo because, I mean, the Oilers made the playoffs in 16-17 and were basically in the mix um, this year. Um And some have suggested, what about the New York Rangers? And I do think the Rangers are a team to watch. But what what are your thoughts on Jack? Like, first of all, what do you think of him as a player? Uh, Realistically, what do you think the chances are he gets moved?
1: Well, I think, he's a, <laughs> I think he's an extremely good player. I don't think there's any, any doubt about that. I mean, you see what he can do. He's, he's, he's got speed. He's got a good shot. I mean, I'm just double-checking his stats. Well over a point a game this past season, uh, just under a point a game for his career, and that's largely because of his, his rookie season where you don't expect a player to produce a lot. He's been on some teams in Buffalo where there hasn't been a much uh, much around him. Certainly it's frustrating. You've heard him voice that that frustration as, as you have other players in Buffalo T- to me, Bob, I, I I mean Ralph Kruger is the coach. Um, the players there seem to speak pretty highly of him. I had Curtis Lazar on my show last week when he resigned and or resigned, pardon me, resigned, and and he said how he how much he likes Kruger and how he works with the players. And, and I think with the new regime in Buffalo. I think that would send a pretty odd message to to come in, and the first thing you do would be to trade draft uh, Jack Eichel, who's supposed to be the player that you're building around. I get where you're saying sometimes when there's smoke, where there's there is fire, but I, I think you know we know that GMS are always talking, and a GM is always going to answer the phone or a text from another GM, it doesn't mean he wants to go along with what that other GM wants. You know, hey, what would you what, what would it take to get Jack Eichel? It doesn't mean that, that, that it's necessarily going to happen in Buffalo. I, I would be really surprised if, if he wasn't back there. I, I mean, I think that's still the guy they have to build around there. He's a great player.
0: All right, here, let's go through the context of the tweets from Bob McKenzie. Imagine my surprise, says McKenzie, when I started making calls today and heard Jack eichel trade rumors including unverified chatter he may have at some point recently requested a trade out of buffalo and that the new york rangers were among interested teams this of course required further investigation the tweet goes on next tweet says none of those talks with other clubs resulted in eichel trade traction but it's also believed that there was some dialogue between eichel and buffalo to ensure they both want the same thing and then in brackets to uh, get better, obviously, and then to share the same timetable sooner rather than later. So the face value review appears as follows, says Bob McKenzie. Eichel doesn't want out of Buffalo. Buffalo doesn't want to trade Eichel, move along, nothing to see here. Fair enough, but some rumors are worth checking out and mentioning, which I've now done. Now back to draft prep well he doesn't often do that so that's it and i i'm just going to preface this a week ago friday elliot friedman reed was on the show and said you would be surprised whose names are out there that's he said that on uh friday and i i i believe that this is a different situation just the 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 fact that we got a flat cap at 81.5 um I'm looking at Florida and Arizona. Some big-name defensemen with big tickets there. I could see some some potential movement there. I'm gonna. I think we're gonna have a real like read. I know game six is tonight. I know we're gonna have extensive coverage next week on the draft as well as on free agency. But I do think there's gonna be more movement than
1: maybe people think. What about you? Uh yeah. Well, I don't. I'm not sure exactly what people think, but, <laughs> but I think that. Look, I I think from an Oilers standpoint, you'll watch what happens at 14. Uh, I I think unless the player drops to the Oilers, I I think there's a really good chance they trade that pick to try to reclaim some other picks this year or next. Um, I mean, you you and I talked about what year the third rounder is going to go to Calgary, stuff like that. Um and and I mean we've talked a lot about the the Oilers that could possibly move to try to get an upgrade yeah with with, with the flat cap that does change a lot I, I mean it has to be if you're a team like Edmonton it, it probably has to be dollar in dollar out or a combination of trades that that does that thing the the one thing that is going to be fun Bob is how this is even further compressed I mean you usually got seven to ten days between. The draft and free agency when it's late June into July and now it's all happening in uh, what three days And I know free agency will continue but usually the the biggest splashes in free agency are over the first couple of days so I think next next Tuesday to Friday is just going to be an absolute flurry of news and signings and trades and all that kind of stuff with the draft thrown in there
0: Raid, great, great stuff. What do you have coming up tonight? Oh, you don't... Do you have I'm tonight not,
1: off? I'm not on again tonight because of the game, but... Wow, uh, wow. We're on, to, we're on tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that. All right, Raid, uh, get back to those comic books, okay? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ali is here to help. Ali invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber
0: to improve your mental and physical health and
1: overall wellness.
0: More than just melatonin. Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift-off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Okay. Okay,
1: see ya. All 3,800 of
0: them. 150 at Edmonton will wrap up the show after this. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisettel from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Uh, thank you, Leon. Let's go to list day in Oilers history at 151 in Edmonton, back in the 630 Chet Studios. Here's Brendan Escott.
1: Yeah, all right. Uh, back in 1989, I know you got a couple of birthdays you're going to get to, I'm sure, but on this yep. day in 1989, uh, the Oilers acquired veteran goalie Pokey Reddick from the
0: Jets for future considerations. He was tagged for nine goals in his only two games as an Oiler before spending some time in the IHL, the AHL, and ultimately finishing his career in Europe. All right, and as Brennan mentioned... And unfortunately, I've never become fabulously rich, as uh, the lyrics to that song go. Born on this date 58 years ago, legendary Edmonton Oilers goaltender Grant Fear, the Hockey Hall of Famer, won five Stanley Cups in ten seasons with Edmonton. He won the Vesna in 87-88 when he appeared in 75 games. He was beloved by his teammates a consummate pro. Brandon, a couple of reasons why Grant Fear was uh, beloved by his teammates. He never once showed up a defenseman or showed up, uh, stared down his team after giving up a goal against. That was not his style. And that is something that I, first thing I look for when I watch a goaltender is to see uh, if there's any theatrics on a goal against. And it's remarkable to me, generally speaking, the better the goaltender, the less likely they are to be that demonstrative. You know what I mean? Like, did you, have any, did you ever have a goalie on a team playing up that used to scream at you guys when he gave up a goal against? You know what? I didn't, but I've watched a lot of soccer goaltenders do that over the years, and it's 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 not a good look. And to be honest, I don't think it
1: inspires much of the right emotions in the team around them.
0: Yeah, Grant, you know, the, the joke with Grant Fuhr was on the Steve Smith bank shot goal that, you know, was the deciding goal that got Calgary the victory in Game 7 and 86. A reminder, Edmonton lost four games in that series, so they'd lost three games before then. They also had over 10 minutes left in that game to get the equalizer. Not one player on that 86 order team blamed Steve Smith, but the joke was Grant Fuhrer said, yeah, I should have had that one. Like, that was kind of Grant Fuhr's mindset, right? Like, he was just that goaltender, and don't let the save percentage um, fully it was a different time uh, players had more time to shoot the puck teams weren't as assertive in 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 backtracking defensively and that sort of thing the caliber of opportunity was higher than uh, in today's game grant fear was a, a special athlete a special guy and a great goalie also born on this day a player that is frankly uh, controversial for a lot of Oilers fans. Born 38 years ago today, former Edmonton Oiler Dustin Penner, a big man with skill who stuck up for his teammates. Penner scored 93 goals in four seasons. That's about 24 goals a year. Uh, and In the 2009-10 campaign, the Oilers finished last, by the way, that year. Dustin Penner, 32 goals, 63 points, and was a plus six. In my opinion, that season is one of the most underrated in uh, Oilers history. I know Dustin's active on Twitter. Not everybody likes his stuff on Twitter. He's got some um, interesting views, to say the least. The guy won two Stanley Cups, one with the Ducks in 06-07, and then one with the Kings in 2011-2012. Edmonton got a good return when they traded Petter to L.A. back in 2011. Like they got The first-round pick they got back... Turned out to be Oscar Clefbaum. I I I sense that some of the media have a different perspective of Dustin Penner than a lot of the fans. Seriously. Some of the media uh are are harder on Penner than a lot of the fans. I think for a lot of the maybe sub forty year olds, they they kind of looked at Penner and thought he was a you know, had some ability and could make some plays, and was a he was a legitimate top six forward when he was in Edmonton. There is no debate. You score ninety three goals in less than four seasons. You know, that's you're you're contributing some offense there. Uh, this texture says, Bob, it was Grant's fault on that goal. Uh, hey, Bob, what about uh, regarding Jack Eichel? Uh, if uh, if it's the New York Rangers, what about the first overall pick in Capo Caco for Eichel? Is that a fair deal? Um, I would say no. I, I don't think that'd be a fair. I think the Rangers would be giving up too much, and Buffalo, uh, the Rangers would also need to move out some money in that deal. Like they would, they would have to at least move out. I would think five to six million dollars because part of the reason why they traded Mark Stahl was to create some space. Again, they need to sign Anthony D'Angelo. He had a pretty good offensive season, fifty plus points this past year. Right shot, puck moving, defensive. they got going to get Andrew, Adam Fox signed in a year from now. They gave Truba eight million a year. On the uh, right side a year ago. And I got to get Ryan Strom resigned. And Strom had 59 points last season. Keep texting the show at any time in the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Do want to tell you, coming up tonight at 6 p.m., game six of the Stanley Cup final. Puck drop on 630, chat at 6 p.m. Tomorrow. Sportsnet Spec Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta who present live racing each Friday and Sunday evening at Century Mile Racetrack. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6:30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. So long, everybody from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio 6:30 Chad.